tell you what, yesterday was an amazing day. I had, uh, I, I, you guys said your favorite present. I get to say my top three because I'm up here. Um, my, my first one, uh, my, my three favorite uh, presents weren't even uh, honestly presents. I loved what I got, but I got to see my son uh, play with my dad yesterday, and that was just absolutely amazing. I got to kind of stand back, and they fought over f farm animals and dinosaurs and stuff, and <laughs> Jack is... Jack is big enough as it is, so it's, he has these, he's a four-year-old with like 15-year-old hands. It's crazy. Um, but uh, we, I got to take a four-hour nap yesterday with my daughter just laying on my chest, falling asleep. That was both awesome and um, scary because uh, she talks in her sleep, and she's a psycho. So, um, but keep, as long as it keeps the boys away. Um, and then... Um, my, my honest favorite was just being able to be. Um, I, I was just able to uh, be with my family. I was able to see uh, the people that I love be, and it was low key, it was, it was quiet. Uh, my son looked at my wife while I was, well, I had just woken up and I looked over and he goes, mommy, I'm happy. And that was pretty stinking cool. Um, it, was, uh, it was amazing, it's, it's a blessing to, to, I'm blessed, yes. Um, I wanna start off today again by reading a Christmas story. We read it last week, um, but I think it's important as we talk about revalidating Christmas, as we talked about the problems uh, that I, I identified last week, I wanna talk about solutions, but it's important to realize why we're looking at solutions, right? It's important to realize why we try to find resolution to the issues in our lives. It's not to bring us glory, it's not to make us look better. It's not to, you know, throw the scarf over our shoulder and say, you know, look at me, <laughs> look at me. It's to build the kingdom of heaven. I heard this amazing, amazing quote, and we're going to dig into this in a little bit, um, a, a little bit deeper. Um, but I want to, I want to, as we read the Christmas story, I want you to understand this quote uh, that we're going to dig into. Ministry was never the goal. Ministry is never the goal, and ministry will never be the goal, okay? We're going to read the Christmas story, and then we're going to dig into the solutions on what that means. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1 says, in, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The, uh, this first registration took place while... <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> was governing over Syria. I, I'm glad one person remembered that. Um, so every, everyone went to be registered, each to his own. Joseph also went up from uh, the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea and the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was, the, uh, he was of the house of and family line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him, in tightly, uh, uh, wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room uh, available for them. Uh, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch, over, uh, watch at night over their flock. Then, uh, the, then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. That's one of the key phrases today, do not be afraid. For I look, uh, or for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, 
uh, the Lord. This will be uh, the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tight, uh, tightly in cloth, laying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with, uh, with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest uh, and peace on earth to a people he favors. When the angels had left him and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what, ha uh, what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported uh, the message they were told about this child and all, uh, and all who heard it. And all who heard it were amazed. There was no comma there. Uh, <laughs> um, at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things they had seen and heard, uh, which, they, uh, which were just as they had been told. Dear God, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this amazing story that in that moment, everything changed. In that moment, everything was different. In that moment, prophecy began to be fulfilled. Uh, a sacrifice was given to us. The best present we could have ever gotten was given to us in that moment. We pray that as we resolve to find resolution, God, uh, uh, now that we're facing the end of 2021, uh, God, we pray that we will find it within ourselves to grow closer, uh, to draw near, to be more dedicated uh, to your plan. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Where we simply left off last week uh, was we identified three issues. And today we're going to remind you of the issues, but we're going to give the issues with a solution. Um, I, I, that's, uh, that's what I did. I don't know else how to put that. <laughs> um, I believe uh, when we look at, look at solutions, um, we have, when we look at problems, you have to have solutions. I was always raised to believe that you never talk about problems without having a solution. It's not productive to others. It's not productive to the kingdom of God. It's not productive to a church. It's not productive to individuals. Uh, you know, you, uh, you think of a solution when you, when you're yelling at your kids or when you're talking to your kids or when you're giving your kids all the NyQuil that you, they can handle. I don't know. You're, you're identifying the problem. You took the toy away from your sibling. You took the cookie. You touched the hot iron. You threw all the water out of the bathtub. That, that was fun. Um, you always, regardless of whether you, whatever you say to them, you talk to them in solutions. Are we going to do that again? No, I've given you a resolution. If you don't dump all the water out of the bathtub, like my kid did last night, <laughs> took like seven towels, you will get to spend more time in a bathtub. Or you won't go to bed right away. Or, you know, whatever. We have to have solutions. I believe when we look at the, the three solutions today, we have to keep it practical. Our, our, our ministry, uh, our lives, our faith, there has to, yes, we will go deeper in our faith. I believe that salvation within itself is very practical. I believe that if it's something that Jesus wanted everybody in every language in every part of the world to know, he wouldn't make it difficult to understand, and he hasn't made salvation difficult to understand. We're all sinners. He gave us, he gave us a payment for those sins. That payment died on a cross, rose again on the third day, ascended back up to heaven, and says all power is given to us in heaven and earth. Uh, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's that simple. 
We overcomplicate it. We have to do this to present salvation to others. We have to look this way, or we have to talk this way, or we have to do this. No, we just have to present. When we look at solutions, um, I believe they also, as Christians, need to be scripturally based. I almost said bless you, and then I said blessed and <laughs> based and blessed. Um, that's ADD right there. As we dig in, I want you to understand that my prayer for, these, for, for the, this sermon today has been simply that it's A, impactful. Uh, I don't ever just want to get up and, and talk to talk. That's when I'm at work. Um, but when I'm here, I want to speak in ways that's, uh, that, that challenges you. But then I, I truly just want this to be simple. I, I want the message to be as simplistic as I can because I believe these issues that we talked about last week are because we've made things so difficult. And if we just allow God to simplify our hearts, our minds, our bodies, bring it under subjection to him, we will be made stronger, all right? So let's dig in. Last week, our first problem that I, that I said was brought up was in Revelation. I, uh, we read Revelation. It said, we've left our first love. Our, my solution to that is one of my favorites. It's simply to hold fast. Hold fast. What does that look like? It doesn't mean be still. I, I remember our, our pastor probably about 12 years ago, had a he, he preached on holding fast, and a family walked out uh, honestly upset and said, the pastor just wants us to sit there and be quiet. Well, that's not what hold fast means. Hold fast doesn't mean sit still and do nothing. Hold fast means to hold fast into what God has called you to do. What's the simple version of holding fast? 2 Timothy 2.15, right? Study to show, my, uh, show the, yourself. Let me get down to not the KJV version. Um, be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't, who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching a word of, uh, of truth. The KJV version says, study to show yourself approved. Hold fast in the word of God. Study, read your Bible. You want to simplify your life. You want to uncomplicate the struggles in your marriage and raising your children and providing for your family and doing this, uh, all this stuff. That's your solution. Stay, stay busy in the word of God. We look at Philippians chapter one as well. Philippians 1.6. I'm sure of this, that he who has started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And then Philippians 3.14. There we go. I pursue as my goal the prize promised to, by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. A lot of times we leave our first love because we become distracted by God's call and mission for us. How many times in, in, in church do you get this great idea? Oh man, pastor spoke on this and I got this awesome idea that I want to do and present it to him. Pastor will look at you and say, hey, develop it a little bit more, put a plan together. Once you put that plan together, uh, we'll meet again and we'll do this. And you leave on Monday and Monday happens, you get to work or you wake up. Before you get to work, you wake up, you got to get your kids ready for school or you got to feed them, you know, feed them because they have to eat and all that stuff. 
Um, you go to work, you get this, and by Friday you're like, oh, I haven't sat down and done this at all. I haven't paid attention to ministry at all. Listen, when we, when we are distracted by God's call, the simplicity is take a breath, <laughs> read our Bible, talk to God, talk to others sometimes, right? How many of us have had just a rough week? We've got a lot of people out. We, I, I'm praying for our church. The more I see, we got, ki- uh, we got kids throwing up all over the place, people coming down with colds, um, all this different, you know, all crazy stuff. Things, you know, are, are you know, Things are changing in Massachusetts all the time. Um, company I work for has given us a February 9th date to have the shot and all that stuff. So you're seeing a lot of these mandates come down. We're going through a lot. There's a lot that can distract us. There's a lot that can distract us, Christian, from God's call and mission. If we're, if we're resolved to live life biblically, if we're resolved to live life the way God has called us to live, then we should be taking the things of this world and seeing how we can apply the Bible to it to make it better for the kingdom of God. I believe when we've left our first love, holding fast is a three part, all right? There's three parts to, I believe, holding fast. You, uh, through prayer, through self-evaluation, and this is a tough one, Christian, through evaluation from others. Conversation with others means you're not afraid to, to go up to somebody and have a conversation and have them say, mm, eh, think you're off a little bit. Or, hey, I know you had this idea. What if we did this too? Or, hey, the way you talk to that person, <laughs> not that good. <laughs> Maybe you owe them an apology. Ned, I'm not going to lie to you. That's, that's where I'm at about 18 hours a day. <laughs> say something and you're just like, oh, I have to go back and apologize. I'm sorry. When we get to, man, when we get distracted, when we, when, we, when we see ourselves going astray, holding fast to the promises that God has. He said, study to show yourself approved. If you study, this is something I learned after high school. If you study, there's a better chance of retaining So if you're in God's word, man, this is what I tell our teenagers at youth group, man, the more you dig into God's word, it's tough as teenagers to build up habits. Uh, I can, it's, I'm getting to the point now to where I can vaguely remember high school. Um, and and I, I go down that road and I say, man, I, I actually, it was two days ago, I looked on my Facebook memories and I posted, I said, man, I know I slept a lot in high school, but some of these people that I, sit, I see I graduated with, who are you? <laughs> like, like you graduated the same year as me. I don't remember there. Oh, we had math and gym and speech and debate. And I was like, are you sure? Like, I, the habits we build as teenagers, I'm sure you, all adults can say, man, their habits you had to reform. You had to break just to start good habits as an adult. Some of it's not because of the decisions you've made, but what you've been put around. I've got a friend that I'm talking to right now, man. I, I pray for him all the time because you talk about raw deals from almost day one. This, this, this buddy of mine seen drugs, alcohol, sexual abuse, physical abuse, family dysfunction. Let me tell you something. The fact that he knows his foundation is built on Jesus Christ and runs to Jesus Christ when he sees 
Those problems means he's holding fast in God's promises. What's the second verse we read? He that has started a good work in you will complete it. What does that mean? I brought up our chef about six times last week. If, if, if he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook you something, first of all, I get excited. Secondly, that means he's going to see that meal through to completion. God says, I've started, <laughs> I've given you life. And until your life is complete, until it's finished, until you see Christ face to face, he's never going to leave you or forsake you. So hold fast. Endure the hard times. It's crazy. It, 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 2020 and 2021 are crazy <laughs> times. I can't imagine some of the businesses. I, I work for those that know, I work at Xfinity. I, I, I sell internet and cable and all that fun stuff. But it's crazy to have seen the store I work in stay open this whole time and see these family-owned businesses, these mom-and-pop shops that, that I think, actually, Highbrow, I think, started up two months before COVID, to see what they've done to have to endure. Uh, you, <laughs> I think you guys' need, uh, uh, Osvaldo and Flavia's need for the cleaning. Uh, I, I imagine during, during the height of COVID, putting in probably 80, 90 hours a week minimum, <laughs> you know, high in demand. We hold fast in God's promises that Maybe, maybe there's some rest for you at some point. Maybe there's some rest, you know, maybe you spend a month in Turks and Caicos, you know? It just happens. That's a blessing. That's holding fast to God's promises during a season of work and, and what can sometimes seem like blood, sweat, and tears, right? If we hold fast and stay diligent in God's, God's promises, what does it say? Come to me. All you who are heavy, uh, heavy burdened and laden, and I will give you rest. Where we get into trouble and where we leave our first love is when we try and force our own rest. When we turn a month in Turks and Caicos into five weeks, or when we don't hire the first au pair that applied for the job. Um, <laughs> is when we try and force doing too much. We, when, when you work hard, honestly, Christian, when you work hard, you have to know your limits. You have to know when, you have to know when too much is too much. I, I, I tell you what, one of the biggest things I love about uh, our, our Brazilian friends is their, his dedication to his family. First and foremost, he makes sure his family's okay. I learn from that. I grow from that. I had that example growing up. I look around and I try and emulate that, that my family... Is my priority? I, yes, I have to provide for them, but if I'm providing and they're never seeing me, that's a problem. Take the rest. Take the time. Hold fast in his promises that he will provide. A super cool thought to think of when you go through this and makes it easier to be held accountable by God, by others, and yourself. Okay? You're going to screw up. We, yeah, can we all nod our heads on that one? We're going to make mistakes. I think I've made like 15 already. <laughs> We're going to make mistakes, Christians. We're going to fail. We're going to walk away from God because of our own devices, our own proclivities, our own strongholds. We're, that's a promise from God too. <laughs> God's promise is saying there's none righteous. 
Strive, make the effort, do your best. If you accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes, then accepting correction from, your, from God, from others, and from yourself will make it 500 times easier to be made better through those people. So many times in our lives, we leave our first love because we understand in our hearts, we know in our hearts we've made a mistake. Uh, I'll speak to men at, at this because I, I'm, I'm a man and this rings true to me. It's okay for us to admit we're wrong. Okay? I, I think the women already know where we're going with this. But when somebody else says we're wrong, chairs fly, toilet seats get broken, I don't know. I don't know. No, uh, am I honest though, guys? It's okay for us to say I screwed up, but how dare God tell me I was wrong? How dare somebody else in my church tell me I was wrong? How dare my wife tell me I was wrong? Sometimes how dare I tell myself I was wrong? How many times have we come to God with an incomplete plan? God says, no, complete, <laughs> come to me more. Let's plan this out. Let's work through it. We do it on our own. And then when God doesn't bless us, we're upset because God says, I told you so. If we hold fast in his promises, it's honestly, if you look at this, it's so simplistic. You just want to say it and move on, right? You truly do. You want to say, hey, hold fast in God's promises. Next point. Let's move. But because we glaze over it, because we put that nice, amazing glaze over the sticky ribs, sometimes we forget the effort that was put in to making the rib itself. I think of the best example to me, example of correction that was accepted was David. David with Bathsheba, an affair had turned into pregnancy that had turned into murder, that had turned into lying, all this stuff. Snowball rolled downhill. Nathan came up to David and said, what? If you don't correct your heart, if you don't go to God and ask for forgiveness, change your ways, blah, 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 blah is going to happen. What did David say in Psalm? Create in me a clean heart, O God. Restore a right spirit within me. It's easy to glaze over and say, yeah, 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 I know I was wrong. It should be easy to say, hey, I know I screwed up, whether it be God, whether it's your spouse, whether it's a friend, whether it's a, a, a church member within a church to say, hey, you know what, to make sure I don't screw up again, why don't you help me? I got it wrong the first time, but maybe with you, I won't get it wrong the second time. Brings us into our second point. Christians have become individualistic. I spent a decent amount of time last week talking about how we, we, dig, in, we dig in and we do things on our own. We refuse help. We, don't, we, we just talked about that. I believe the simple, easy solution to being individualistic is to gather, not scatter. 
to gather and not scatter in so many different ways, so many different ways to gather, not scatter. One of the coolest messages I, I, I've heard in my uh, 38 years was uh, Osvaldo uh, getting up here, it's like two years ago with the mashed potatoes, right? And he said, sometimes we're together, but we're not. You know why that is? Is because of what we just talked about, because we don't hold fast. The arrogance and the pride that take over our life says, I can fix my own problems. I don't need God's correction. I don't need my, you know, I don't need my family's correction. I don't need my church's correction. And, and by the way, when we say correction, it's not like the church is going to put you in church jail. <laughs> Some places. My bad. Uh, spoke too soon. Turn off the live feed. Yeah, new life, new life is not good. Whip. Made eye contact with the wrong people there. Uh, <laughs> at least once a sermon, right? <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> the goal of a church shouldn't be to put you in church jail. Church correction should be, and I promise, I, I, they're, they're, I'm not getting into that. Never mind. Church correction simply means that they want to see you get back on the right path. <laughs> that they want to, I, I, I can't tell you, it's going to be tough to say, in 19 years, almost 20 years in July, Zach Chase <laughs> has been allowed to be a youth pastor and assistant pastor here at New Life Church. He's been, I, I've been trusted with worship, um, kids ministry, which still is crazy to think, um, youth ministry, community outreach, weddings, adults, <laughs> Bible studies. I know who I am. <laughs> I, I, I make, I, my, I, a couple of my coworkers are watching online today and, and I tell them, I said, straight up, I'll be honest with you. The, 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 I am the same person in work that I am at church. And I'm the same person at church that I am at work. Why? Because I don't want people here seeing me at work, thinking I'm somebody, seeing that I'm somebody different, losing respect. But I don't want, more importantly, Christian, I don't want people at work seeing me here and thinking I'm somebody fake and they die and go to hell because of it. See, when we, when we become individualistic, we get, caught up, we get caught up in trying to justify ourselves. When we justify ourselves by who we're around at that moment, we start to fake or lie about who we are. Now, where does that web of deceit become difficult to live effective Christianity? We start to have to remember who we lied to, what we were doing, where we were going. It's what I was told as a teenager the two times I got in trouble, maybe three, was, was if, if you were just being honest, if you were just being honest, <laughs> if, you were, if you would have just been honest up front, your punishment would have been a lot less. It would have been a lot worse. I, I have an example for scattering, personal. I was in seventh grade, sixth six or seventh grade, and my transition from Christian school, uh, private school to public school was tough. I, I'm, I'm not, uh, I, 
I'm a bit scatterbrained, ADHD, all that stuff. It's tough for me to pay attention at times. But I had a, I had a semester in school to where I had five Fs and two Ds. I failed basically the whole semester. I was struggling. Had I simply opened my mouth and said, I'm struggling, I need help, I probably, honestly, would have evaded all trouble. And they would have looked for help. What did I do? <laughs> I thought I was getting away with telling my parents that they mixed my grades up with somebody else and lied for two weeks. It doesn't work if you're a teenager here, just so you know. They, they continually ask to see your report card. How many times do we do that with God, though? And I'm being honest with you. Instead of drawing personal, uh, personal lines where this is enough, this is enough, this is getting in a way, we scatter our individual lives. We spread ourselves out so thin where, and we get ourselves in trouble where all we had to do was go to God and say, I need help. When we do that and can say that, how much more blessings would we get? And how honest, we read last week that two are better than one. That's a relationship chapter. That's us talking about our relationship with our spouses. But there's also a church. We are the bride of Christ. Our relationship with Christ, our Christian walk, the local church isn't meant to serve alone. So why then as individuals do we scatter? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 20. It will start in verse 23. I meant to apologize to the lady that's doing sign language today. If I'm speaking really fast, I apologize. I didn't take my ADD medicine today. So this is sorry, right? There we go. <laughs> Verse 23 says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. <laughs> since, he who, since he who promised his, uh, is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. Pay attention to that. Let us consider what? One another in order to provoke love and good works. You know what good works are? What the church is purposed for. Now, I said, that, I said this earlier. Ministry is not the goal. Ministry is never the goal. As a Christian, if you don't know what the end goal is in your Christian life, you need to. You need to. You're about to learn. The end goal is leading people away from hell to an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. The ministry we do is to support that mission go into all the world and preach the gospel. I, I, I mean, it. God's purpose, leaving Brazil, coming to Western Mass. You could have chosen anywhere in the United States to move. Sunny LA, beautiful San Diego, Vegas, Montana. You chose Western Mass. Get to Western Mass and realize there's a need. There's a big need. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. 20, uh, 2020 hit. Uh, me, Drew, Aylin had just really started to get to know each other. Me and Drew found out how awesome our friendship was going to be and how much we can annoy Aylin by going to a Kurt Franklin concert together. Me and Drew just talked back and forth the whole time, and Aylin's just like, will you guys shut up? The whole time, it was great. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it was great for us. We, she was fine once we got her some snacks. Um, <laughs> but... But I, I watched Highbrow open. I, I, I got to see the, you know, the sign get put up and all this. And then I saw 
God started to really take over in Drew's life. And it was really cool. I talked to Aylin a couple times about it over two or three years. It was so cool to see, get a call at 11 o'clock at night wanting to talk ministry and wanting to say, hey, what about this? Or it was cool to say, hey, I can't let people in my restaurant, but I can go. I can go feed the fire department. I can go feed, uh, you know, this. It was cool last year. This is kind of the year anniversary of New Life's big hit with COVID, where everything just kind of got shut down. It was awesome to see the forums uh, and the videos that we, that the video chats that we went through to see each other supporting each other. See, church, when we gather instead of scatter, we consider what our love for Christ can do and its good works has, and it leads others to Jesus Christ. By staying strong, by doing what's right, others come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Goes down uh, in verse uh, 22, it says, let us draw near with a truth, uh, with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who was promised is faithful. Oh, I'm pretty sure I already read all of that, but, um, and let us consider one another in order to, pro, uh, to provoke love and good works, not neglecting uh, to gather together as some are in habit of doing, but encouraging each other, encourage each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching, for if we deliberately go on sinning after receiving a knowledge uh, of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Now, that doesn't mean you lose your salvation. That doesn't mean you've walked away from God. What that means is you've left your first love and you've scattered instead of gathered. So many of us, and I question this all the time, why are we so, why do we get upset when, when there's, there's that correction there? When there's that need for us I, I'll be honest, I don't think that I've ever been a part of a church in the past three to five years than in the rest of my life that just wants to love each other, that just wants to see the best for each other, that just wants to work together. So why do we struggle with individualisticness in our church? Why do we want, why do we want to scatter? Why do we want to, man, there have been some great ideas that we've come through, but, but can we ask ourselves an honest question? Has it not come through and succeeded because we've tried to do it on our own instead of biblically trying to come together and say, how can we as a church make this work? How can we as a church make this better? How can we as a church support each other? We can't support you if you never say that there's a need. If you're constantly trying to do things on your own and not tell anybody about it, and then you want to say, nobody's helping me. Well, that's not on me. I didn't know. I didn't know until after you finished it that you even needed help. If we're willing to reach out and ask, I, I, I bring it back to one crazy thing. When we started our Instagram page about six years ago, I was posting stuff. I got all these apps on my phone and I was... 17 layers on a picture and thought it was really cool. Um, Kate and Tiff were like, no, it's not good. So they started posting stuff every now and again. But then Ben John came. <laughs> and we had a meeting and, and we about direction with social media and we were sitting there and talking. And Ben just looked and he goes, before you start posting new stuff, you need to purge. And I was like, well, that's a movie, so I'm not killing anyone. 
He's like, no, you need to delete stuff. And I was like, well, can we meet? And Jonathan was in a meeting. It was a pretty funny meeting. I said, well, can we meet? And you show me what I need to purge. And he goes, you know, all this. And I was like, yeah, he goes, just all of it. <laughs> and, and I listened, I was like, Hey, that's a tough pill to swallow. I, I thought I was doing really good. I thought there were some cool things going on. I made some really cool pictures that you really couldn't see and you could barely see the verses and it reached four people. And I started trusting him. Ben has this great vision for graphic, you know, like that graphic design and different, you know, uh, marketing and all that stuff. And he said, what we do is we do this, this, and move this. And slowly it started happening. And then he introduced like hashtagging and tagging people in photos and all this. And we saw our Instagram start to take off and we sustained it. What would have happened had I been like, well, well I'll just keep it and then we'll just add to it or I'm just gonna do it my way. We would have missed out on a whole ton of blessings. You know, at the height of COVID, while we were rebranding our Instagram, we saw 32 crossover watches consistently. That meant 32 people that followed us on, on Instagram had clicked over to our Facebook page and watched us live. Whether it was for five minutes, whether it was for 15 minutes, that's awesome given that 80% of our followers at the time were from the Middle East on Instagram. That's pretty cool. Then we got hacked and locked out and we had to start over. See, when we gather, we get to, you get to honestly see that people don't want the worst for you. Not everybody wants to take over. Not everybody wants to push you aside. They just want to help. And then as a group, if we come together and we have that proper perspective, that proper heart, we go to God and say, we have this vision for, you know, X, Y, and Z. Can you guide us? Then comes the timing. Then God will say, watch these pieces fall into place. Watch, watch what I do. Watch what I'm able to accomplish because you came to me humbled yourself and said, make it yours. See, is that not the complete opposite of a lot of what we're seeing? We're seeing a lot of churches, a lot of these, uh, a lot of mega churches, and I've become more and more critical of watching uh, the sermons in these churches and what, it, what, they, what they're preaching is, you can do this and you can be empowered and empower yourself and, and do it. Uh, uh, no, Bible says, for I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. It's not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live is not of or for me, but it's for the one who loves me and gave himself for me. See, to me, when we accept that vision that God has given us, we gather around that vision. We don't scatter our whole lives and try to make it our own. How many times in our lives have we tried to balance work, relationship, family, friendships, food, sleep, video games, reading, church, all by ourselves? <laughs> Instead of saying, wow, God, I'm overwhelmed. Can you take some of this stuff in my life and just press hold? until I can find some balance. My life is so out of balance. I, 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 I love 
God's timing when you ask that. I can tell you, God, my life is overwhelming. Uh, I, I, I saw about 20, 20 to 21 months ago, I had uh, stepped away from, uh, stepped off the stage from the praise team because we had a bigger need. Man, did I find balance. I tell you what, I found balance, balance, balance. It was a lot of work. I'd, we had been through a lot in that praise team. A whole lot. I found balance. I was able to hang out with two teenagers through COVID, just two, all through COVID, through that year. It was awesome. Now they were two completely different teenagers. I mean, you couldn't choose two opposite teenagers, but there were nights where one would just show up and we'd just hang out and talk. Uh, Ma uh, Matthew uh, Spaulding showed up one night and I was like, dude, I think it's just me and you. And his stomach gurgled and I was like, oh, you're hungry too? Let's go get Chinese food. And we just went out and hung out. That's gathering. Scattering means, oh, there's one teenager here, there's two. It's not worth my time. It's not worth my time. How many times in your life have you said, I'm not getting the, I'm not getting the, the, the kickback feeling that I'm expecting? It's not worth my time. That person, that group, that ministry, that church, it's not worth my time. Gather, don't scatter. Through that, the kingdom becomes more valuable uh, to those that don't know Christ. And that's what we need to do. Uh, our, our pastor over the years has preached many times. In order for us to reach Long Meadow and East Long Meadow, they have to see a need because they have no needs in life. Uh, I had a gentleman, uh, there's a street in Long Meadow, I won't bring it up just in case he's watching, I got to share with him uh, our church and stuff, but huge house, huge house at the top of the hill. It's a yard that you see in movies that has like the tiers of the yard, like the hills, and it has like the stones and like really cool. Makes for a horrible sledding hill, but um, may, makes for a cool, th cool uh, yard in the fall. But I was talking to him and he said, you know, I'll be honest, I walked away from church at, at about 25, 26, because that's when I started making all my money. I said, oh, well, why do you think that is? He goes, honestly, because I didn't see a need. He goes, I went to church, nobody really talked to me. Everybody seemed to always be fighting amongst each other. And he said, I left, and he goes, nothing in my life changed. He's like, I know I'm, I, I, I knew I grew up in the Catholic church. I knew that I believed in Jesus and that he was real but I didn't have any immediate need. He goes, now my life, he goes, I have four cars, a huge house. I just put, he's like, I just put a pool in my, uh, it's an indoor outdoor pool that connects through the wall of his house, which I was like, that's a dream. Um, but he was like, I paid for it in cash. He was like, I don't, what do I need a church for? And I just talked to him and he's like, you know what? I'll try to give it a watch. I'll try and bring myself to watch it. We have to create a need. And if we scatter ourselves and if we scatter our individual purposes, they will not see the value in what we have to offer. Lastly, Christians have overcomplicated the Great Commission. We read the Great Commission, go in all nations and preach the gospel. The solution to that is this, and it's more of a question. When's the last time you've pleaded with God to be used? 
When's the last time you've gone to the throne, you've gone to the cross, you've gone uh, in, 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 with all of your heart and said, God, just use me for you and nothing of me. Rid me of all of me. Cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. That's a prayer in the Bible. Make me right in your eyes and just use me. Take away all the desire for me to build my own kingdoms. Clay Cross. Anybody ever heard of Clay Cross, the Christian singer? Yeah, one. Well, there we go. Two of us. <laughs> Clay Cross sang a song, uh, I Surrender All. And, and one of the, the last line of the song, he says, let all my kingdoms fall. Let all my kingdoms fall. Let all of my desires, let all of my insecurities, let all of my, uh, let all of my uh, strong suits or my strong points or the, the things that I'm most confident in in my life, break them all down and just build it back up with an eternal purpose in mind. Flip over to the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. I was doing my funny story while I'm searching for this. I was doing my sermon prep and it took me like 15 minutes to spell Isaiah right because I forget that I all the time or the A, see, right there. The, the first A after the S. I'm like, Grr. but once I got it, I was like, oh, my bad. Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah 6, 8 simply says, then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, who will I send? What was the reply? Here I am, send me. Here I am is a plead to God, notice me. I want to be used. I want to be sent out. I want to make a difference. And listen, the difference that we make, we are in a social media world. Your life is on, so some of our lives are plastered all over social media. Uh, my, my social media right now is either pictures of glow-in-the-dark lightsaber chopsticks, which are amazing, or it's the Dodgers, or it's Jesus. <laughs> Every now and again, I'll, uh, I'll bring something up. My, uh, again, I'm a youth pastor, so we're going to talk about farting and stuff. Um, my, my son, I posted, had to post on Facebook the other day, farted, looked at me and goes, Daddy, your turn. <laughs> I was like, you'll grow to realize that's something you can't force. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, but... But I, lo I looked at, I, I look at our life, and, and I, I tell you what, my perspective, I was talking to one of my best friends in the world, uh, known him for 28 years, 20, yeah, no, just about 27 years, John McRoy, he lives in Missouri. Uh, we've experienced a lot of life together, uh, and we've always joked around about things, and, and as teenagers, one of the things we always thought was weird that we now have to apologize for is, uh, and parents you'll know is, when your kids are doing something and they're just lost in that moment, how many times do we as parents just kind of sit there and watch them? Me and John used to be like, that's so creepy, like that's so weird. And we literally text each other and yesterday, the same thing, we were like, happy, ha or Merry Christmas, brother. Uh, love you, hope everything's going well. And he said, hey, I, I was going to press send, but I got distracted. My daughter was just sitting in a tent. And I go, this brings up a good point. How many people do we have to apologize for because we made fun of them being like, you know how creepy that is just to stare at your kid during youth group through the window? Be like, look at him just praising God. 
Like I was like, that's creepy. <laughs> Did you even pass a background check? Um, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> and I'm serious, like, but, but, and for parents that have been a parents for a long time, I'm new at it, so back off. But, <laughs> but no, I look at it and he was like, my daughter took one of the books that he got, she got for Christmas and went into a little tent that we got her and was just sitting there looking through it. Wasn't destroying the book, was just flipping through the pages. And he said, I got, I got super choked up because when I walked over, it was a story of Christmas. And he goes, I just sat there in the silence for like 10 minutes. And he goes, my wife was sitting in the little chair, rocking back and forth and just in her own kind of world, just watching her. And he goes, I got to look and say, God, you made me a father. Fathers, when's the last time you pleaded with God to make you a good dad? Mothers, when's the last time you pleaded with God to use you to make you a good mother? Most of the, and I'm being serious here, most of the time we're pleading with them, with them just to shut our kids up, just to send them to bed. When's the last time we said, God, thank you for this extra hour of horrible annoyance. <laughs> thank you for this moment that I have. You know how many parents I, I, I talk to that say cherish these times? Cherish these moments you have with your three foot 11, 89 pound son that wants to be picked up and carried up and down the stairs. Cherish him. Because when he's 6'6, he's going to be doing that to you. <laughs> When's the last time you said, God, here am I? Use me. Sometimes we're not even going to know what that's going to look like. Sometimes we don't even know how that's going to come out. I'll be honest, I, I speak to it a lot because I'm humbled that God would give me the opportunity to call me to plant a church somewhere. Uh, I, I, it's, it's terrifying, it's scary, but at the same time, I have to look and say, God, here I am, use me. There's a whole lot of people getting, not getting a whole lot of attention from a whole lot of believers. Here I am, God. Use me. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how, how it's going to turn out. But I do know that if I, if, I, if I hold fast, if I, let's, let's scroll through these again, if I, if I gather, if I realize there is no way that I can do that on my own, and if I just plead to be used, if I say, here am I, send me, God's work will be done vastly more and fully done by me trying to do my life by myself. Christian, I plead with you. I love this church. This church was my home for 10 years, third grade, Stay back four times. I'm just joking. <laughs> Third grade, uh, better part of my life, let's say that. Not one minute that I regret of it. Not one minute that I'm unthankful for the hardships, the, the people that have come and gone, the people that have sustained, because we have one purpose and one mind. 
and that's to know him and make him known. Of some having compassion, making a difference. My, my question to you as we close is this. Did you come to new life needing compassion? Did you come to new life needing a difference? When you received that, why now are you in a state of mind to where you hold that within yourself and don't share it? Why are you so selfish that you are willing to let people die and go to hell because it's not being done your way or because you're not being given more or because God, ha- because God has said, hold fast, wait, be patient, and you're unwilling to. Didn't at some point in your walk, people have to be patient with you? Didn't God have to be patient with you? Didn't God have to immerse you in the oceans of grace and mercy? Then why aren't you giving that? Why aren't you living that? Why are you so angry and selfish over somebody else's issues that you let it distract you from the purpose that God has called you to? I mean this in the spiritual physical and mental sense that I can ever say anything. Grow up. It's time to grow up. It's time to own your responsibilities and your call and not blame other people for God not using you because you're not allowing God to use you to the fullest that he wants to use you. It's your decision. It's your choice. It's your surrender. And it's your cross that he took up for you. And he hung on that he's now asking you to kneel and bow to and say, I trust you. I need you. I need you to wash me clean. I need you to start over new. I need you to create in me a clean heart and restore a right spirit within me. And Christian, does he need to return to you the joy of your salvation? Let's pray. God, Lord, I, man, I thank you for giving me the words. I kind of chuckle at my outline sometimes when I look over it and not one word is something that I've typed. God, will we realize that this church, this church will, your church, what you've called us to, will be dysfunctional until we fully surrender to you. That we will not achieve all you've called us to achieve until we surrender to you. God, will you tug in our hearts? In the quietness of the moment, church, I ask you this. Is there anybody here 
that says nobody's looking around, and it wouldn't matter if they were. Zach, I, I, I need you to pray for me because I need God to intercede. I need help. I need to surrender more. All I want to do is pray for you. See that hand? Thank you. Anybody else that says that? I'm entering new steps. Thank you. I'm entering new steps in my life, new places in my life. I, I don't see the, my, my path isn't 100% lit right now. I need prayer. Thank you so much for those hands. We're, I'm praying for you guys. I, I, and I mean that in, 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 in every sense of the way. God's not done with you. God just wants you to be you and give it to him. God, as we close out, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. May we never stop seeing that. May we never stop experiencing it. And may we never stop giving it. I pray that you will just be glorified through our efforts. God, may we as New Life Church resolve, A, to go day by day, to live for you uh, in the moment that you've called us to live in, to do what you've called us to do. And will you, man, will you teach us daily how we can depend on others, how others can strengthen us, and how we can impact others. Will you grow us, God? May, may this be an amazing year for new life coming up. May we see souls come to you. May we see our baptismal constantly full of people who want to publicly profess a new relationship with you. May we see abundant blessings because we're faithful to you, not because we've manufactured it of our, manufactured it of our own will. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.